feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron. Kaba! Clint, are you not going to introduce our cohort, Corey? Uh, Emily, you didn't you didn't read the text chain? Corey, Corey died in a convoluted Romulan power grab. Ah, no! Much blood wine will be drunk for you, my fallen comrade. Ah! Yep, so Corey's dead and he'll never be on the show again. So anyway. So there's no adults. We can do whatever we want. Exactly. It's going to be Stuncast Chaos Hour. <laughs> that's that's right. It's a it's a good day to podcast as as the Klingons would say. Yep. So Clint, what is the episode? Okay, so the episode we are reviewing today is The City on the Edge of Forever. It originally aired April 6th, 1967. It was directed by Joseph Pevney and written by Harland Ellison. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do this differently than when Corey was on. He liked to give a nice skeleton to the podcast where we kind of walk through the episode kind of step by step. Um, But nice organized discussions are not Emily and I's wheelhouse. It's not our core competencies, as we would say. No, our core competencies are blood feuds and uh, forgetting what point we're making in the middle of a sentence. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we'll we'll just kind of talk about the plot a little bit at the beginning, and then we'll just have Clint and Emily's famous free-flowing conversations. And if you love the free-flowing conversations, you should check out All Things Terror this Halloween. <laughs> That's my yes. other podcast where there's no adult supervision ever. <laughs> I edit that podcast and I can only do so much. So I apologize to everyone, every listener of All Things Terror. I try my best, really. Uh, so this episode starts off on the bridge. It's an action packed in the middle of some turbulence red alert i know i've said it a couple times but the intros are finally getting so good where it's not like 20 minutes of people wandering around the ship talking about nonsense that i don't give a shit it's just you're immediately right in the action we see scotty who we haven't seen in a while and Mm -hmm. there's a red shirt that's a woman who's also asian so that's pretty cool she's just standing in the middle of the room she's not really doing anything Yeah, I mean, Star Trek was progressive, but it wasn't progressive enough to give her a meaningful task, so. I think it was as progressive as it could be. Gene Roddenberry pushed as hard as he can, and then the TV executives are like, what? An Asian woman on the bridge? No one wants to watch this. She's an actual professional? Not a sex worker? Get out of here. No one will find this believable. Why isn't she serving coffee? Yeah, right? So good for them. So the Enterprise is orbiting around an unexplored planet, and they're, like, flying through time distortions, and everything's just going crazy. Things are exploding. I think Kirk was like, we got to get out of here, but Spock is like, no, this is so cool. We're actually flying through time. Like, we're flying through these time distortions. 
Spock has a huge science boner, or how he would describe it is a, a science pond far. Why would he call it a pond far? Because that's like when when Vulcans go into like mating mode, they they go what? through their pond far. Oh, gross! I didn't know that. Yeah, they go. There's a whole episode about it. I think next season. I think it's in the first couple. Episodes. Is it like Rumspringa? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It's a whole thing. It's you'll love it. It's great. It's great. Everyone loves the pond far. Anyway, <laughs> um, so <laughs> they're flying through these these time distortions. Um, something happens to our precious Sulu. Yeah, Sulu his cons his console explodes, and I love Kirk. Just like doesn't even bat an eye. He's just like okay, uh, <laughs> but he's on the ground. Um, Doctor McCoy comes up. And he's like, oh, got to risk some, uh, what was it? Uh, Cordrazone, is it called? It, it was some made up word. Cordrazine. Cordrazine, it, yeah. Yeah, Cordrazine. Yeah. I have some notes on that, but carry on. Um, so he's like, oh, he's almost dead. We, we got to risk it. And so he gives him two drops of it, Cordrazine. And Kirk is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's some pretty dangerous stuff, Bones. Yes, exactly. He's like, whoa, are you sure you want to do it? He's like, well, he's going to die if we don't do it. So we might as well hypo hypo him with it. So he sticks Sulu. Sulu comes up, and he's just completely blissed out. He's loving it, which I'm yeah, like, okay, what is he this He is, stuff? like, the biggest smile on his face. Like, he definitely got the good shit. I don't think he's ever been so happy. Yeah. Except maybe when he found that gun under a rock. I don't <laughs> That's still one of my favorite scenes or concepts. <laughs> the planet just makes guns for you to find. <laughs> also, that Sulu just randomly finds a gun, gets excited and starts shooting it. I know. I would I totally understand when Kirk was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Why are you taking a random gun and just shooting it?" You realize there's something flawed in the writing when you find yourself thinking Kirk is good at his job. So the ship goes through some turbulence. McCoy actually accidentally like sticks himself with a whole ton of Cordrazine. Okay, but first of all, the way that this happens is so funny. He is, they know they're in this turbulent situation. And after giving Sulu two drops... McCoy suddenly is just holding it in his hands and looking at it like, what is this? He was trying to put it away. I thought he was just staring at it like, what is this? And then it's like turbulence and he stabs himself in the stomach and like depresses the plunger. No, like he's trying to put it away. It seems like to me, like he's starting to put it back in his in his little med pack. And oh, then they hit turbulence. Maybe. And then it like he gets flung into a console and then he accidentally does it. This is like the most elementary thing that if something can cut you, you point it away from you. Like if you're whittling a stick, you cut away from you. You don't cut toward you for that very reason. Don't you feel like medical professionals are trained to point the needles away from them at all times? I don't think he, I mean, I think he was following good procedure. I'm not going to fault him for this. I a deeply accidental disagree. Accidental needle sticks happen all the time in medical professions. Yeah, but I they happen on, like, your fingers. You don't accidentally stab your stomach because you're pointing the needle at it. Well, hey, most hospitals aren't flying through time turbulence, <laughs> so... 
Yeah, but you know what is planes? And you know who would have to give you a shot of adrenaline? Stewards and stewardesses. Flight attendants is the word I was looking for. So we should all be nice to them. Yes. Uh, And not grope them and then get duct tied to a seat. I don't know if you saw that. I did. And I didn't read the full article because in every atom of my being, I wanted to watch flight attendants duct tape an asshole to a seat. I am so happy that it happened. Like, I'm not happy that that guy was a dick to them, but I'm so happy that they were just like, we fucking had enough of you. Yeah. It's I kind of a lot. feel like they should have um, those little cattle things. And if someone's like... Cattle prods? Yeah. If someone's uh-huh. like, gets too out of hand, just give them a zap. Like, I, you know, that's fine with me. I agree with that. I agree with that. On a side note, I take notes on my phones and somehow this bounced around in my pocket and where I said he's looking at it like, what is this? It says he's looking at it like, what is poop? (laughs) (laughs) I just like how you probably write poop so much that your phone is like, you know what? It's safe to autocorrect this just to poop. Well, if you listen to all things here, that's not an exaggeration. That's accurate. <laughs> okay. So, anyway. So, he stabs uh, himself and thrashes about in a deeply dramatic way. Yeah. And so, he goes into, like, paranoia. The, like, corgazine overdose causes him to think everyone's trying to kill him and also not recognize any of his friends or acquaintances and sends him into a frenzy yeah cocaine adrenaline rampage he's like murderers assassins and screams and runs yeah he's assassins assassins he like hardcore judo chops someone just like in austin powers if you're old enough to have seen that movie and know exactly what i'm talking about where he just runs up to someone and goes judo chop and like taps him with his hand and then runs off, that's exactly what he does. Once again, just showing how terrible that the Enterprise onboard security is, he's able to get to the transporter room, and he does a little, like, side chop and a little, like, neck chop thing, and then totally incapacitates a guard. Maybe they're trying to be like, well, he's a doctor, so he knows, like, all the pressure points to, like, take someone out. See, I feel like you're saying this as, like, evidence of how silly the 60s movies are but mm-hmm. i'm just taking this as, as evidence of how delightful the austin powers movies are <laughs> that was great about austin powers he's just juju topping everyone and they all just go to sleep but and that's exactly what happened but anyway mm-hmm. so then bones goes to the planet that they were surveying and because they were surveying like the heart of the time distortions the transporter automatically sent him there. So they send a, a land. <laughs> yeah. Because even though he's like too like Coked whacked out, out to yeah. know what's going on, he does know how to operate complex machinery. So he doesn't get transported to like the other side of the galaxy or blown into a bunch of bits. He just gets sent down to a very convenient location. Yeah. Or he doesn't arrive inside out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, it's nice when drugs work that way. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So they go down Kirk, Spock, 
I think like almost the whole main cast. Ohura, Scotty, some red shirts, like everybody mm. goes down there and they can't find bones initially, but they find like the weirdest collection of items. There's like a weird Greek column and then like a giant stone Cheerio with glow lights in it. You know what? That is the perfect way to describe this prop. It's a giant glowing Cheerio. I almost said churro, but Cheerio. Yeah, that's pretty great. And so the Cheerio declares that it's the guardian of forever. And so it's I, a time machine. I have a question for you. It yeah. talks to them and it's like, yeah, you're right. It's a time machine. It's like, look at, look at like... The past, I could send you there. Does the Guardian of Forever enter into our pantheon of non-corporeal beings who will have a conference slash fight? No, because it's corporeal. Oh, I guess it is the Stone Cheerio. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Guardian of Forever, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. That's what people refer to it as. But it starts showing them scenes from earth's past he's like hey this is a thing that i can do look i opened a time portal to your past and you can go back there if you want and so it's just going through the centuries right of like of earth it's showing like roman legionnaires Mm -hmm. i don't remember oh it's showing like camels walking in front of the pyramids yeah like yeah all that stuff all the goods like revolutionary war and he's like isn't this cool and then out of nowhere, Bones pops up and he just runs. He just beelines it and jumps into the portal. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And then Ahura says, oh, my God, I was just talking with the ship and it's not there anymore. So Bones has done something to, to alter history. They just kind of hang out and kind of get a handle on this, this, uh, this portal. I like at the end of the episode when, spoiler alert, they solve everything. And everything goes back to normal. And they come out of it, and the Guardian's like, more adventures like these can be had. Do whatever you want. I just love that pitch where he's just like, entering me for a good time. So one, you've really undersold this, that Bones pops up from behind the rock like Smeagol in Lord of the Rings. And his face is covered in polka dots for reasons Mm -hmm. that we don't know why. It's the overdose. Uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, and then yeah. after he, like, just belly flops through the ring, the Guardian of Forever says, Your vessel, your beginning, all that you know is gone. But, like, if, okay, if the ship and Earth disappeared, like, why didn't they disappear? I that mean, that's a, that's a great question. I just that's, have, I mean, 10 question marks after that. Like, you can't, you can't. <laughs> You can't look at these like time travel stories that hard because they're always full of contradictions and like what the only hundred percent airtight time travel movie is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay, it's not a movie, but there is a book about time travel. It's a, a couple books all set in the same universe, and the author is Connie Willis and. She has these books where they're going back in time and the people who go back in time are historians. So they're always like very aware of history and like they can't change it. Is this a significant event or not? The books are told through the point of view of the historians and they're so 
worried about affecting time. Um, and I would offer this is the only other airtight one because then she offers like an explanation for why these things happen. Mm-hmm. But it is the same thing of like, I don't, I don't want to nitpick because I did like this episode a lot, but I felt like it just needed a few little rewrites. And this is a good example where all they could have done was give him your vessel, your beginning, all that you know is gone. You are safe on this planet but your past has been destroyed or something. Before I respond back, I think to Primer is another really good time travel movie. I haven't seen it, so I can't personally attest to it. But <laughs> that's one that I hear. How do you know it's really good? That's what I hear. That's what I was going to say. I, that's Allegedly. what I hear from people. Yeah, that it's a really cool. I need to watch it because I hear it's really great. Um, anyway, you could argue that this planet is surrounded by time distortions right and this is the center so this is still like a time distortion right here so they're protected from the changes because they're in this time distortion maybe if they stepped out like a component feet where like there were no time distortions they might disappear or something okay i'll give you that yeah I will I, it could say... be it could be explained better you're right yeah. you're definitely right there is a movie on netflix that's called see you yesterday that's a really good time travel movie. Oh, interesting. It's actually one of the best depictions of time travel I've seen. I'll have to check that out, maybe. Anyway. So then Kirk, who's not prone to drama at all, says, we're totally alone. And then there's like this slow-mo pan up to the stars, which was exceptionally dramatic. And I approved of it. <laughs> Leave it to Kirk. <laughs> so they get kind of like a handle like this time portals on repeat and it goes super fast so spock calculates the best time to run through yeah because he's recording it and he's like so because i was recording it beforehand i know where meth koi went and so now we can get there and they go to like the 1930s yes and they arrive a couple weeks before mccoy is set to get there yeah Mm -hmm. And he says, this is where I wrote a really uh, bad joke, but I want to say it. Spock's quote is, it was called depression, quite barbaric. And I would like to play that sound clip whenever I have depression and don't brush my hair for a week. (laughs) (laughs) But none. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's also the very worst possible time for McCoy to pick. For himself to go back in history, right? Because was the de- depression was like uh, 21st uh, prohibition also happening during the depression? Or is that? So it was sort of the beginning of the depression kind of overlaps with the end of prohibition. Okay. Okay. So maybe not. Maybe his timing wasn't so bad. But anyway. Um, but still not great. Mm-hmm. There's a depression going on. They, they're they like, oh, my God, we stick stick out. Kirk has the bright idea to steal some clothes. Oh, my God. This is so good. It's so good. He's like, I'm going to love this era. It's simpler. It's so great. Like <laughs> Everyone's so simple. Yeah, like we can just outsmart everyone. Exactly. We're not going to have any trouble fitting in. And they, like, grab some clothes off a clothesline and turn around, and there's a cop. He says, you're a police officer. I recognize the traditional accoutrements. Yeah. 
And then he says, oh, I see you've noticed my friend's ears. <laughs> that's actually very easy to explain. Yeah, that's very easy to explain. He's like, it's uh, it's like this. And like, uh, you know, and then Spock just goes, perhaps the accident I had as a child. And he's like, <laughs> yes, it's the accident he had as a child with a machine. And uh, then there was a missionary that like fixed um- it. A mechanical rice picker, because he's like, my friend is clearly Asian. Yeah, he says Chinese. He doesn't even Oh, Chinese. Yeah, no, you're right. They're not that woke in the 60s. At least he didn't say Oriental. That's true. That's true. They did not say Oriental. So it's just like very uh, slapstick and comedic. And then... Well, too, I just love how he kind of forces the error where... Like the cop, like he brought attention to his ears himself, right? Like he didn't, Yeah. I don't feel like he really needed to expl- bring attention to them at this juncture. No, not at all. The cop was just like, why are you stealing clothes? And he's like, because my friend is Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, my friend is Chinese and he had a childhood accident. And he's yeah. like, okay. And then the he's arresting them. The cop is clearly just like, I don't give a shit about any of this. I'm just going to arrest you. And they do the thing that I hate, uh, like, in 60s and this thing before, where they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe your wife let you go out like that. He's like, what? There's something on my jacket? And then they, like, fucking nerve pinch him. And I just hate when they're like, say something, distract him, and then, like, get the jump on him. I think it's, it's, I don't know, so dumb. Yeah, he's like, what's that over there, you know? I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't love it enough to defend it. so we could just move on so then they run away Mm -hmm. and they end up in a basement and they have a little like sassy moment where kirk's like you enjoyed that didn't you spock and spock's like well maybe i think spock was ready to go to jail just to watch kirk like (laughs) fuck up like he was just like what are you gonna do now kirk like he you were right like he was just i thought he was really enjoying it and and Kirk said the same thing. He's like, you looked like you were enjoying that. He's like, you know, just because you're my superior officer doesn't mean you can insult me like that. I mean, uh, this is a great episode for Spock, frankly. Like, mm-hmm. he's just uh, right and sassy and kind of like bitchy. And like, he's really good at saying something that you can't pinpoint why it's an insult but you know it's an insult. And that's a really good example where he's just like, well, I don't know what you were talking about. I was just there to support. Cause there's a, I feel like this is another one of those moments where he's like, it's so simple. We'll get away with anything. And he's like, well, you just said it was so simple. You could get away with anything. So why would I step in and help you? Like (laughs) we've had this pattern before and it is just so delightful. I love it. This is my motto for Spock and it's, sass isn't an emotion it's not oh yeah that's yeah. a pretty good one yeah sass isn't an emotion and i feel it's like a way really... of life <laughs> <laughs> so they're in a basement yeah they're putting on their stolen clothes and then uh a super hottie catches them or at least in kirk's eyes two things one they have this moment where they're like, how do we know that this is even the right spot to find McCoy? And Spock's like, well, there's like eddies with these 
time distortions, mm-hmm. which I appreciated because mm-hmm. I found the whole like, oh, we're just here and we'll find him a little annoying. But also there's a part where he where Kirk is like, they could be in Honolulu, Boise, San Diego. And you have this bit that like whenever somebody needs a random place, they either say Reno, where you live, or yeah. Boise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like another bit of evidence for that argument. I it took me the longest time to figure out that they were in New York. Yeah, well, me too because both DS9, TNG, and Voyager, they all go to I think TNG. But I know DS9 for sure and Voyager for sure go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I assumed it was San Francisco and then later there's a shot of the Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, that's the only time you know it's New York is when they do the Brooklyn Bridge. It doesn't look like New York. It looks just like a city like a podunk city or something like that i mean and that shot of the bridge is like a weird thing to include uh i i like thought for sure until that shot that it would have been san francisco and that's why all the newer ones also go to san francisco Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but no they're they're in new york yeah and so the hottie that comes down did you know who that was no who is it it's joan collins hmm Does that name mean anything to you? No, it doesn't. So she became very famous uh, for a role on Dynasty. Oh, okay. Which is like a big thing in the 80s. Yeah, it's a soap opera. Yeah, yeah. Like the very like RuPaul's Drag Race makes a lot of homages to Dynasty. And Joan Collins is like super famous. Yeah, so like... Like, I looked at, when she came down, I was like, she looks so familiar. And I did the IMDb. I I had the research tidbit this episode. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I, I can't either. But anyway, that's who this is. It's a young Joan Collins. Um, and she's actually British, apparently. Anyway, so then she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, we're running Stuff. for the police, right? <laughs> Didn't he say that? Because she's like, I want honesty, right? Like, she kind of caught them in a lie. Yeah, it's like this interesting thing where she start- he starts off kind of, like, spinning a yarn. And she's like, all right, I'm calling your bullshit. And Kirk's like, oh, shit, okay. And then he just, like, tells her the truth. And she's like, all right. Mm-hmm. And, like, Kirk does have, like, instant respect for that. Mm-hmm. Also, she's, like, they don't really go into this. It-, it pops up. But she's, like, prescient or psychic or something. Yeah, I don't know. They don't explain it, but she's like, the whole time, she's like, you guys, listen, I run a mission. She's like, you're in the basement of this mission, and uh, I run it, and you can come hang out, but, like, you've got to, you know, abide by the rules, and the rules are essentially, like, listening to her talk, I guess. I don't know, and she's like, listen, guys, everything's real shitty, and it's going to be real shitty, but then it's going to get great. We're going to go to the stars. We're going to go to the moon. Men are going to do all these great things and like. And we'll be able to cure disease and solve hunger and stuff. And yes. And so it's like she's describing the future, but I don't think she was prescient. I don't think it was like she was psychic or anything. It was just that she was like, oh, wow, she's so smart and intuitive. And she like figured it out and she figured it out right. And she's like born in the wrong time or something well and two there's a part where spock is talking to kirk and she says captain 
like even when you don't say it, you call Kirk captain. So that's another thing that like felt like she was kind of psychic or something like she was almost like reading Spock's mind. Yeah, it was. I thought that was really weird. I thought she like overheard him say captain before. And that's why she was saying that. But maybe I missed that. And she was just being like, yeah, it's weird. I have a rewrite of this at the end and it addresses some of this. I guess she's just like super intuitive is is, I guess, like what it's see. What it I took it. To. I took it to be that she was like forward thinking like mm-hmm. she was like, you know, she's in the 1930s, but her head is in like the 2030s. And that's why she's able to be like, we're going to go to the moon. We're going to solve hunger. We're going to do all this. I believe in us. Yay, team. So it's not that she was like picking up on things. It's that she was just like that smart. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the guy who we named the Adam after, right? He was like a Greek philosopher or scientist or something, right? Right. And he kind of came up with the theory of what an Adam was back at, back in those days. And everyone was just pitching all these theories. So it, someone's got to be right. Well, I just think, okay, yes, theoretically. But I also think it was just like sloppy writing for her. Like... <laughs> She existed for Kirk to fall in love with her, but, like, there was really no reason. Like, they didn't do a good job of fleshing out why the audience should fall in love with her. Mm -hmm. And I, again, have a good rewrite for that. Because she's not, like, a bad character. They just didn't seem to know what to do with her fully. I mean, I did like her because she did seem, like, self-possessed and, like, she wouldn't take no guff from people. But she was also very nice and very caring and stuff. So I thought she was a pretty good character, but you're right where she doesn't, they don't do much with her. Yeah. Like I, I agree. Like she's interesting. She has her own kind of like goals and drives and Mm -hmm. she has some personality, but then they just like kind of sit her there. So I have, I have a rewrite that I think would address that, but you know, this episode is actually a lot more or this podcasting episode that we're recording right now is more organized than i thought it would be i feel like we both were like prepared for it to be i think we were afraid of the chaos that it would be so we're both trying to be good (laughs) whereas like normally we don't care and so we're just like trying to bring chaos in but now we're like wait a minute what about this (laughs) okay so anyway this is in chronological order but there's a part where kirk kirk and spock get like a hotel or a apartment they get a flop, and there's a right they get a flop yeah right as, as she explains to Kirk in the parlance of the time yeah, yeah. for two dollars a week there's a part where which i'm sorry they should also have three dollars between them because they just both worked 10 hours for 15 cents an hour to clean out the basement so they have three dollars at this moment yeah and then they spend two dollars on the flop mm-hmm and then they get a dollar and Kirk presumably goes out shopping and comes back and he says that he brought some vegetables for Spock and a salami and a hot roll for me, mm-hmm. which leads me to the question, is Spock a vegetarian? All all Vulcans are vegetarians. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, maybe I'm a Vulcan. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> At least your eating habits are. Yeah, I'm, I am the, a vegetarian. Yeah, the rest of you is very Klingon. <laughs> what if I'm a Klingon Vulcan mix? That's the true forbidden love. 
half Vulcan, half Klingon. It could happen. I've never seen it happen. I don't know why we haven't seen it happen, but I'm not willing to it's, discount it's it. It's only ever human and another race. It's not ever two hu- two other races together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Star Trek. Don't Get be a it. coward. Come on. We, we want to see the Vulcan Klingon love child. Yeah. Also, this is an aside because I'm also watching Voyager, which, ugh. But there is just an episode where a human ha- is having, like, a baby and the daddy, the baby daddy is, like, this other race. I don't remember what it is. But the mm-hmm. baby develops these, like, spikes, <laughs> like, yeah. dinosaur spikes on mm-hmm. its forehead in utero. And we were driving somewhere. And my partner was just like, I just don't understand, like, why, evolutionarily speaking, wouldn't you have babies develop that afterwards? We spent, like, 30 <laughs> minutes discussing, like, yeah, like, why wouldn't you have it be soft? Or, like, if it's an egg situation, so maybe this other race is, like, a cloaca. And then we had a really long discussion about, like, it doesn't make sense why a baby would develop hard spikes if it has to have mammalian birth. It's it's Naomi Wildman. I don't know what that means. That's her name. That's oh, the baby's yeah. Name. Yeah. The baby's name or the person's name? No, the, the mother's name. The, the baby's name. The baby becomes like a main character? Yeah, kind of. Ew. <laughs> but like as as like a toddler, not like as a baby. I think kind of like age her up. Like it doesn't make sense. You're right. But okay. Yeah. She's like a 10-year-old or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, anyway, you'll have that to look forward to. Um, they've been working for a couple weeks, right? And Joan, yeah, Joan Collins gets suspicious in the basement. Well, also Kirk, or not Kirk, Spock is trying to build a computer to like interface <laughs> with his, his tricorder. He's like, we need to figure out you know, what the change was so we can prevent it from happening. Right? I so forgot. He's, I forgot yeah. about the computer. That's like the, yeah, it's like a, it's a big plot point, but he's trying to make a computer. And he's like, I need platinum. And Kirk is like, bitch, I've been working all day. I can't afford to buy you platinum. <laughs> you a fancy bitch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, man, we're not going to be able to afford any platinum, any gold. And I just wanted to take another aside to talk about, do you remember in TNG where data is sent? to san francisco in mark twain times because he meets mark yes i do see i knew that tng went to san francisco yeah they do you're right see all of them go to san francisco except for tos yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because there's definitely a ds9 episode where they ended up in san francisco so yeah ds9 was in san francisco there was i think it's just because starfleet academy Starfleet headquarters is in San Francisco. So that's why they go to it a lot. And I think they just like San Francisco. The writers. I mean, I like I like the idea of them going there and like every show goes to San Francisco in the past. It's kind of a neat tradition. And like New York is kind of the obvious choice. So mm-hmm. I like that San Francisco is where they go. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I feel like you had a main point aside from that. Well, just I just want to pitch a reality TV show. Or like Star Trek. Oh, wait, Data builds a computer in that run too. Yeah, he does. Well, it's not. I don't know if it's a computer or if it's like some. I forget. It's like some sort of it's like, like a comm device. Yeah, or some sort of like 
time wobbliness detector. Like it detects time particles or something like that. I forget what it was, but it was very complicated. Yeah. And I think I think data kicked Spock's ass in going back in time and creating future technology. Because I think uh, Data went back even further. Yeah, but, like, Data is a computer himself, so, like, he should kick Spock's ass. Like, that's kind of insane to say that you think Spock should be able to compete in a task like that against Data. This I think this brings up a future Captain's Log or something like Data versus Spock. Should someone be better? Should someone be worse? Should Spock be... You know my own personal theory about data that I will never let go. Yes, yes. And that's a secret topic that we'll have to... Well, It's not a secret topic. It's been stated out loud on this podcast before, but I I won't repeat it because I know it upsets you. <laughs> that everyone rapes data. <laughs> and then They don't rape him. They all have sex with him. And then... <laughs> Because, of course, you would. You could program him exactly how you want. And then you could also wipe the program if you had shameful things that you were embarrassed by. And then no one would ever know that you had sex with Data. Data wouldn't even know. So you're not raping him. You're just roofing him, I guess. Well, isn't that non-consensual? Anyway, yeah. I don't... Okay, I don't, all let's... right. You're right. It's, it's an uncomfortable theory, but I just... I don't know how you... Anyway, yeah, let's move on. I just want to say, too, Data went to 1893. <laughs> was was the date he <laughs> went back in time, too. That's the year. Okay. So, anyway, um, they're making this this device so that right, uh, Spock can kind of interface with his tricorder and get the information. Right. And then... During this is hap- during this time, basically Kirk is just falling in love with the woman Edith Keller. I don't know if we've said her name before. No, we haven't, and we that haven't. is her name. Yeah, her name is Edith Keller, and because he's falling in love with her, because like one time she's like, "Will you walk me home tonight?" and he's like, "Sure, will." And then we just get a bunch of scenes where I guess that's what they're doing every night now. I but she's like. Yeah, I I feel like there's more because they they've been there for like a couple weeks, so you 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 don't see this relationship develop as much. But the sparks were there from the very beginning. Yeah, I'll give you the sparks. Yes, give me all the sparks. No, just these ones. <laughs> just those sparks. Okay, I'll yeah, take, I'll take these meager sparks. So uh, anyway, I think at this point they find out that. Edith needs to die. The reason <laughs> that history is fucked up is because somehow McCoy interfered with her fate where she had to die. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to this a little bit, but she starts a peace movement, a pacifist movement at this time, and it grows so strong that it prevents uh, the U.S. of A. from entering World War II at the right time. So since it delays their entry into World War II, it gives Hitler and the Nazis time to develop nuclear weapons and missiles to launch them with, and they conquer the world with their deadly weapons. And humanity never 
survives long enough, I think it tears itself apart before it can it can get to space a spacefaring civilization. Yeah, and like to be fair, they do a good job of not spoon feeding this all at once. It's like a couple scenes of like things coming in and out and like oh I saw a bit where she died and they're like what I just saw a bit where she was meeting with the president and Mm -hmm. so they do a good job with that and I think how it works too because I was wondering like this isn't internet how you can how can you tell the future I think what was happening was Spock's tricorder was like recording all the images that the portal was showing so in the first oh clever yeah I was wondering about that yeah so the first time around right before McCoy jumped in it recorded a newspaper article where she died. And then yeah. after he went in and it was going through, he changed the past. And then there was a newspaper article about her meeting Roosevelt. Yeah. So it's like the the future is still being in flux. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then so Kirk's like, I don't know what to do. Like, and, and the only thing they like, the only thing they can read, right? with the Roosevelt articles that she was going to meet with him. And then it, their computer or whatever burns out. So they have to fix it and get it working. And then it says she dies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, they figure out that, that she talks to Roosevelt and then created this peace movement. And then it stopped the U S from entering world war two. And so she has to die. Well, yeah, because then there's a bit where Spock's like, I read her obituary. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. She mm-hmm. dies in like a couple days. So it's like there's they're bouncing back and forth between the two timelines. Yeah, and, and they at first they don't know if she needs to live or she needs to die. And then And then wh- in that moment, Kirk is like, I'm in love with her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Oh, the only problem is I'm in love with her. And then they don't investigate that any further. <laughs> <laughs> Instead it switches to Bones who suddenly appears acting exactly the same and he sees a hobo yeah who's like super freaked out and bones is like i'm not gonna murder you come here don't run away (laughs) they're trying to murder you yeah yeah they're trying to murder you i won't murder you which is precisely what someone who's going to murder you would say (laughs) that's what i say before i murder someone because i always i know i won't murder them that's why I've never trust. Like whenever you say I won't murder you, then I stab you and run away first. Yes, yes, as you should. It's very smart. I'll get you right. one of these days, Emily. Yeah, one of these days I won't be quick enough. You'll stab me. No, I'm just gonna say, Emily, I'm gonna murder you, and that'll put you in a false sense of security. That'll be enough. <laughs> anyway, uh, I really like the effect of them appearing in the past it's so simple i don't know why i like it so much but it's like they just suddenly appear and then they're like they must have just spliced you know the film or something and then they just kind of like slowly appear and then like run into the street i don't know why i liked it so much but i did really like this effect of them appearing in the past there's a lot of moments where the low tech effects are very satisfying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so i give you that so meth koi is like where am i is this earth what's going on and the hobo says to bones you take a sip too much of that old wood alky and anything (laughs) seems real like he's trying to like talk down this guy who he's like well we're obviously both alcoholics (laughs) and you just drank the wrong stuff 
and Bones... He's not wrong about Bones, though. He's not wrong. No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> and then Bones, like, seems like he's coming down and is like, he's like, you look human. You must be human. And then he basically is just like, oh, but it's the old time. Oh, I'd love to see a hospital. I bet that's like needles and sutures. And then he just sort of has like a toddler meltdown where he's like rolling on the ground crying about needles and sutures. And like, it's so painful. Oh, yeah. And the- it's like, there must be so much pain. It's like treating them like what discarded garments or something. It was along the lines Yeah. Of, like- we used to cut people up and sew them like... But he literally is, like, if you've ever seen a toddler, like, just go boneless when they're like, but I don't want chicken nuggets. Like, that's exactly what he does. And so then when he's lying on the ground crying, the hobo, like, takes his Nokia brick. I mean, some other form of advanced technology and phasers himself disappears. Oh, yeah. He takes his phaser. Yeah. And he, like, he's messing with it. And then he overloads it or something and kills himself and takes the phaser with him i guess but like we never get any explanation of like why that happened (laughs) like at first it looked like he transported somewhere and i was like is this guy gonna come back but like no we never get any explanation for that yeah he like phasered himself out of existence like he it's so weird he like vaporized himself along with i think he caused like an overload or something and so the phaser exploded and it took him out with it. But in 60s, like in 60s techno, like FX, that was the best they could do. And it, you're right. It was kind of confusing. They like never cycle back to it. Like I thought he was transporting himself and he was going to like arrive somewhere, show up at the end. But he doesn't. Mm-mm. Nope. He's just dead. Yep. Like and Corey. then like. Yep, and all of us one day. Um, And then Kirk is like, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out if she's going to live or die. He says, I must know what to do. And I'm like, are you planning on murdering her? Because that would be awesome. Uh, It would be dark, but it would be awesome. That would be cool. I was wondering that same thing, if he was going to have to, like, push her into traffic or something. I know. Again... I have a rewrite, but that's not what happens. Well, there is also a moment. I think, though, like, doesn't Edith come upon Bones before this happens? Like, at some point, she comes upon him and takes pity on him. And I think he runs into the mission and she's like, oh, you got to sleep this off. And she puts him on a cot for the night. So Yeah. And then he does sleep it off, which bothers me because all this time they're like, this is such a dangerous drug. And then he just sleeps it off. And I'm like, you're right. What the fuck? It's so weird. But also there is a point where she like starts falling down the stairs and Kirk catches her and Spock's like, you could have just not caught her and she would have died. And I was like, holy shit, guys. (laughs) Well, I do like, too, where Kirk was like, it's not time yet. Like, if she's going to die, it's not going to be by falling down the stairs. Also, if she fell down the stairs, she might have just hurt herself and not killed herself. It's like... I know! It would have been like a wounded bird where it's like she's she's broken her arm and she's like, oh, just help me up. And it's like, no, we got to... Right, he just phaser. She's like, oh, I twisted my ankle, drat. And he's like, phaser to the head. This is the only humane way. (laughs) I loved you. 
So that's not what happens. Instead, it's like Bones, who's no longer meth out, and Edith are on the street, and they're going to go across to see Kirk, and then she, like, gets hit by a car. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, what happens is meth, or not, yeah, meth coy, not meth coy anymore, but he evens out. He comes off of his bad trip when he's talking to her, and he's like, I don't know what this is, but I think this is just a delusion, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they have a conversation. He seems charmed by her as well. Um, and then she's like, oh, my young my young fella is going to take me out to a movie like Clark Gable. And he's like, who? And she says, Clark Gable. Well, you don't know that? And he's like, well, I know what a movie is, but I don't know what Clark Gable is. So the uh, Kirk takes her out to a movie, which I don't think you should be dating in the past. As a Starfleet captain, I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea. But anyway, I mean that's a hot take. Yeah. Um. So then they're going to the movie, and she mentions, "Oh, this guy McCoy talks like just like you." And he's like, "What, Doctor McCoy? Where is he?" He runs over to like runs across the street to, back to the mission to talk to uh, Spock. Bones shows up. They're all hugging and happy. And then she wanders into traffic like a child and gets hit by a truck. <laughs> and then she dies. Right? I feel like this is something that you really pointedly want to discuss with me about wandering into traffic. Do you have some feelings about how I cross the street? I mean, I, we've talked about this before. The audience doesn't know this. But yes, I do criticize you a lot because you just walk and boldly walk into traffic without any... <laughs> any concern about like what cars are coming and you're just like, Oh, they'll stop for me. And <laughs> me, me and your partner, James have more than once pulled you out of traffic, not because you would probably die, but just cause we were like, what the fuck Emily? Like don't wander into traffic. Like we've both like grabbed you to prevent you from like wandering the street. Um, <laughs> that wasn't a pointed comment, but my point still stands that like, yes, you, you, <laughs> You need to cross the street better, Emily. Okay. But yes, from my point of view, I only cross when I know that they have enough time to see me and I'm not going to get hit. And I never have been. But uh, like, it's just dumb to like rely on other people to like stop for you. I don't know. You're just putting your life in random idiots hands. I don't, I don't like that anyway, but you're an adult. You can do what you want. And when you get hit by a car, I'll just be there and laugh. So anyway. Um, I think maybe, too, like, McCoy could have saved her. Like, they could have either gotten her out of the way, or maybe McCoy could have provided some sort of medical aid to save her life, and Kirk prevented that from happening. Okay, so this is where I offer my rewrite. Spock and Kirk realize that she has to die because otherwise the Nazis take over. Mm -hmm. But they also know that she's super smart. And instead of her just, like, walking home with Kirk, instead they're like, hey, we're looking for our friend McCoy. Can you help us? And so they're spending all this time investigating. And instead of McCoy just showing up, he's, like, find like leaving these weird clues. Like, they find someone who's like, hey, this hobo disappeared. And all that's left is this, like, weird burn mark where he was. And they're like, that looks like a phaser blast. And, like... So they're following these trails and she's like, yeah, I'm helping you. But, you know, something weird's going on. So they finally are like, 
we are from the future. Um, and if you're supposed to die, but if you don't, this terrible thing will happen and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, but also I'm in love with you, Kirk. And he's like, I'm in love with you too. What if we took you to the future with us? And you could have a like conversation with Kirk and Spock where Kirk's like, well, us taking her to the future is the same as her dying in the past. She's removed from the situation. It's fine. And Spock's like, I don't think it works like that. And Kirk's like, fuck you, it does. And he tells her and she's like, oh, I'm super down with this. I love you. I want to go there. And that's their plan. They're like, we're going to find bones and then we're all going to go back to the future and it's going to be great. So she's helping them. All this is going on. And then the dilemma is something like she has to save bones or like Kirk has to decide between saving her and saving bones like maybe there's like some weird knifing and she like pushes bones out of the way and she's like just go and then someone stabs her or something mm. so like bones doesn't miraculously cure himself he's still wild and she's like get him to the treatment like don't worry about me and then you know they somehow she still dies um but that's my rewrite is that she knows she you know it's more um She's more involved in the case. Bones doesn't miraculously get better. They're following his clues all the time. And then, like, because they never discuss the possibility of bringing her to the future. Well, they they can't bring her to the future because they have no, they're not in control of the time travel mechanism. The only way for them to return to their their rightful place in time is to set time right. And so the, the trigger event for them to set time right is for her to die. So that's why she always has to die or get hit by a truck is because you're right. Like I was thinking about this too. Like how can you get around this or whatever? Um, and the point is, is, is you have to set time right for, for the gateway of eternity, the guardian of forever to, to bring you back. Right. So the only, the only thing in their control to set time right and get back to their time was for her to die. Right. But like, I like the idea of them trying to like change that timeline to say like her leaving is the same as her dying. You're right. You're right about that. It makes a more dynamic episode is all I'm saying. And so we could go back and change the Cheerio mechanism from the beginning to make this possible. Yeah, but then we wouldn't get to kick Kirk in the ball, and that's well. We still would. Yeah. We would raise his hopes up even more. The stakes would be more real. But also, I will say the scene as it plays out, he like grabs McCoy, and McCoy's like, "You let her die." And there's like this close up of Kirk's face, and he's just like, "I know." And it is once again. William Shatner is such a good actor. And then they mm. do they do play it really right where then they cut to Spock and Spock goes, he knows, like very mm. seriously. And that mm. was really well done. I want the rewrite to somehow include those two shots because they were magnificent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like your rewrite, but also like I just I do like the idea that the only trigger mechanism for them to return to the past or the present or the future, I don't know, is to let her die. Because they have no way to be like, okay, we've set time right, take us back, right? Yeah. The only thing they could ha could do 
to set time right was to okay well what if back. what if she's like helping them investigate because i like that she's just involved more and we get like then she has something to do they, mm. the writers know what to do with this great character and then they find mccoy but he's not coming down he's still wild and they're like holding him and she's like oh i'm just gonna run across the street and get like some help and kirk is about to be like oh wait no and then that's when spot can be like is this the time jim and that's when he has to like look at spock and then look at her and just like watch her get hit by a car like they're Mm -hmm. both just holding mccoy who's like freaking out Or, like, McCoy's in the middle of the street, and he's, like, freaking out, and he's about to get hit by a truck, and she actually pushes him out of the way. She saves him, yes. Yeah, and then she gets hit, and they're like, oh, my God, we made it happen, or something like that. Because then that's a way to give her agency and make her not so dumb. Because you're right, this was kind of bad, where she's just like, oh, I'm going to walk across the street. Oh, no, there's a car there. And then she gets hit, right? And I guess, like, she's so distracted that she doesn't realize there's a car coming, but it does make her look kind of like an idiot. It is hit by a truck. It is like she's an interesting character, and you're right. You you hit the nail on the head that they don't know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. She's a well-rounded character, and they don't know how to fit her into the plot. I mean, she's just kind of like an object still, right? Yeah, she exactly. Really, she doesn't have much agency in this story, so it'd be nice to give that to her. It reminds me of that episode of TNG where Riker falls in love with the androgynous person. Mm-hmm. You know that person has a lot of motivations and they shift and change. And like, it's very ambiguous and difficult for Riker to understand. But mm. they're never like undercutting that person's ability to advocate for themselves, even though they change their mind. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wanted Edith to have a little bit more of that. Mm hmm. So anyway, to wrap the episode up, she dies. They go back to the 23rd century and the guardian of rivers says, yeah, I like this part. He says, time has resumed its shape. All is as it was before. Many such journeys are possible. Let me be your gateway. That was his, like, this is all like a tester, you know, like this is, he's like a salesman and he's like, it's like when you get off a roller coaster and they're like, you could go again. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's like a timeshare. Like this whole thing was an elaborate (laughs) timeshare pitch that they had to sit through. And they're like, next time you can go to an even better location. (laughs) Here's your complimentary bottle of champagne. Right. And then Kirk's just like, fuck this place. Let's leave. Yeah. And then that's just how it ends. They don't go yeah. back up to the ship. There's no like pithy little joke. This is just the one where Kirk discovers feelings. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We've got our title. <laughs> and maybe you learned something about the plot, but probably not. So, yeah. What do you think of this episode? I think our feelings are clear. But what what would you say? How would you rate this episode? Um, I would rate it 4.5 out of 5 Kirk tears. It was really good. I had a few quibbles that I voiced. Uh, but overall, I liked it. I feel like, oh no, we've changed one thing in the past and now Hitler takes over is kind of a familiar trope. But it would have been 
kind of mind-blowing at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked this idea of like falling in love and then she dies and William Shatner's acting was great. I offered a wee wee write, but overall it was fun to watch. I never thought I could fall in love with something that's not a ship. <laughs> I know. I know. I wonder if that's why he didn't go back to the ship in the end. He's like, I need a little bit more distance. It's awkward to explain this to her the enterprise yeah 4.5 out of 5 uh shiny kirk tears is my rating mm, i think i i think i will agree with that 100 percent. i think that's a a great rating for this show if cordy were here if he were still alive i think he would have really liked this episode i'm really sad that he died that he died in a convoluted romulan power grab <laughs> It, it is sad. I mean, it didn't have the soggy metal, which is Corey's true enemy. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he screamed that name as as he was uh, vaporized into non-existence. That and motorcycles going off in his neighborhood. This is two real enemies. That's a deep cut, but that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought this was a great episode. It moved well. Um Time travel is a lot of fun. I always enjoy time travel stories. Sometimes they get kind of dumb. This one, what well, the logic held up reasonably well with a couple allowances. It, I, probably I would say what it would be nice is to get a little bit more of like Uhura and Scotty in the episode. You know, we still get the 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 main three guys a lot. So it's nice if we can get some more of Uhura and Scotty. Um, but I thought it was a fun episode. It was interesting watching Kirk like right at first, right? Like that, that cop scene was hilarious. Um, yeah, it moved along. It moved along pretty well. Yeah. I would, I would love a Scotty O'Hara episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just those two. Um, yep. I think I started pitching this and then I never finished, but I guess I'll just do that now was it's a Starfleet or in the future, reality tv series where they send people back in time Mm -hmm. and they need to construct devices to get them to the current day i mean but again data is just such a ringer it would be boring unless you dq'd him for being already a device well it wouldn't be it wouldn't be data it would just be random citizens of, okay. of contestants, right? You would go on the random TV Starfleet, shows. yeah, yeah, and then they send them to a random point back in time, and they got to get back to the current century without changing time. See, okay, here's the question I have for you then. So, mm-hmm. I think this makes sense as a reality TV show. And now, in your lifetime, having you encountered someone who's like, "What's email?" and you're like, "Excuse me, what the fuck." You have encountered one of those contestants. Yeah, I, you know, I'm constantly running into people on the street in weird clothing. And they're <laughs> like, what year is this? I'm like, it's 2000, 2021, buddy. And they're like, oh, my God, what planet is this? And I'm like, where are you from? This is Earth. And then they just run off. Yeah. And the fabric, it's like always a onesie and it's shiny, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they always have some weird. And I'm like, what's up with your forehead? And they're like, oh, it's some genetic defect. And I'm like, what? And then... And then they're like, I'm Chinese. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. The, 
Exactly. So, yeah, you've definitely encountered contestants. And now, like, or do you ever have a moment where you're driving and it's like you're behind someone who's never driven before? They haven't. Mm -hmm. They're a Mm -hmm. contestant on this show. Yeah. And then I'm constantly, too, just, like, driving on the left side of the road and then all of a sudden everything blinks out and then I'm suddenly driving on the other side of the road and there's never been presidents before and we're still under British rule and then 10 seconds later everything blinks out again and everything's just the way it used to be. No, that's just an acid flashback. Oh, that makes sense. Anyway, keep on trekking. I'll let you have that one, Emily. That'll be my my gift to you. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Ha ha, kabla. 